0: welcome to code talk the podcast where we discuss building code and its impacts on residents and business owners right here in fairfax county you know electricity is everywhere around us and affects every aspect of our lives many people are unaware of the protections provided by the electrical codes and standards or the process through which these codes become enforceable Enforcing these codes during the plan review process helps us use electricity in a safe and efficient manner. Giving us more understanding on electrical plan review today is Dean Fortney. He's a commercial electrical plan reviewer with the Building Division of Land Development Services. And Dean, thanks for being on Code Talk. Good morning. A uh, a great explanation right there when when we're talking about the importance of the topic we're talking about, electrical plan review, because... Electricity is uh, all around us. If you don't get the plans right, it's just gonna go bad. And it's gonna cause property damage, life safety issues, all kind of things. So kind of a critical thing we're talking about here
1: today. Absolutely, electricity is something that you just don't see other than the lights that come on. Mm-hmm. So point. as it flows down the wire, you don't have any idea, like right. a, uh, a leak in it. Uh, you don't know that there's a leak uh, of electricity and where water, Right, pipes, right. You see the water, right? So, yeah.
0: Until maybe you feel it. <laughs> yeah. well, that's the big secret. And, and that's, and that's the, the reason. That's what for we want to avoid. Yeah. Correct. So when we're talking about codes. What What are we talking about? Are there? Uh, I know on past po- uh, podcasts we've talked about you know code books. Is that, is that kind of the, what we're talking about here? An electrical code book that That's in effect in Fairfax County and or Virginia.
1: That is absolutely correct. There's um the code cycles change about every three years, and just so happens in February or actually excuse me um, September. There was uh, the new code cycle change oh. from the state of Virginia. Okay, The state of Virginia adopts certain codes, and with those codes comes the uh, IBC, which is the building code, the plumbing code, mechanical code, and the electrical code. The IBC codes, which is the building codes, ICC actually writes those, those particular codes are under the 2015 cycle, mm-hmm. where the electrical code, the national electrical code, is an NFPA 70 document. And that is under the 2014 NEC. So you have two different codes that we're dealing with here when it comes to residential. You hmm. have an international residential code, and the code cycle is 2015. And you have the NEC for the 2014, which would be your commercial inspections. So the IRC would be for your one- and two-family dwelling Okay. Uh, electrical installations right
0: right, right. and if i remember some from some past code talk podcast the like the the state code the state cycle and the uh, national cycle and even an international cycle uh, they don't seem to match up a lot of times well (laughs) it could be two years here three years there four years there
1: virginia is running about a code cycle behind as you as you can tell we're uh, adopting the 2015 i codes international codes Where uh, we are in 2018 right now, Uh which the 2018 international codes are out. Mm -hmm. So we are a code cycle behind, and we're not sure whether the state will actually jump a cycle or not, Um, but it won't change until another three years will be our next code cycle. And whether they adopt the 2018 I codes or the 2021 I codes is going to be hard to tell. Right.
0: But there's not, you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe somebody listening right now who's not more advanced in understanding codes and all that may go, huh, they're behind on the code cycle. Is, Is that a safety issue?
1: Uh, not necessarily. Um, the safety issues could be there's future adoptions of codes, which you could actually, as you're building or if you're uh, installing electrical installations, you could actually ask for a code modification based on a future edition of a code. Oh, and okay. a building official will be all in rights to either accept or deny gotcha. based okay. on what they feel would be adopted in the future.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, you mentioned some of the code changes in the National Ele- Electric Code 2014.
1: Uh, that is correct. There's um, several code changes. Um, I have a booklet now uh, of about 250 code changes. Wow. Um, I'm part of a committee that have developed several code classes. I teach the code classes throughout the state for the code change training. Wow. And we've developed about uh, 80 slides, which covers uh, about two hours, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And also uh, with the International Association of Electrical Inspectors, Virginia chapter, we have developed a Code change training for contractor training, uh-huh. which stretches four hours and uh-huh. covers about um, 180, about 180 code changes. Oh, okay. So there's a whole lot of code changes, and what we do in these committees is try to get down to something where it's small enough to where we can present it in a certain amount of time, right. And be crucial to what the uh, installation right would be. understandable as well, you know, and maybe
0: can't cover all 200 and some of them, but maybe there's a few that are less common that you don't really need to cover or not minuscule changes or something like that, I'm Uh, assuming.
1: Yes, correct. Uh, There are wordsmithing on some of them. Um, There are some code-wide changes. Uh, So a couple of instances would be a big change Um, from the National Electrical Code would be in clearances and personnel doors for electrical equipment rooms uh, where Hmm. it used to be a 1,000 amp, Panel board okay. required to have the exit egress door out of that room to be panic hardware, and they've changed that from a thousand down to eight hundred. That's okay. a big change. Okay. Some of the other code changes that they put in, which would affect the residential side, which was uh, receptacles within six foot of a sink, mm. and in that article at 210.8A7, it referred to in a outlets relocated within six foot of a sink except in kitchens and they've taken Mm. that except in kitchens out and left that in so now if you have a receptacle below the sink it's going to be gfi protection if it is within six feet that seems like a pretty big change right there that is a big change and another huge one would probably be the dishwasher requirements for residential Hmm. all dishwashers now whether it's cord and plug or hardwired and whether it's 120 volt or 240 volt requires to be GFI protected. That's a pretty huge change.
0: Well, that, well, that one makes sense.
1: I mean, that's, that seems logical. Seems like that should have been. Um, it, it, the code's evolving. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. Uh, one of the big changes is the ARC fault, mm-hmm. the ARC fault requirement. Uh, in the, it was put into the code in the 1999 code cycle. It would have been the IRC code cycle 2000. NEC 1999, and the requirement was for bedrooms only in a residential unit, dwelling unit. Uh, the code has expanded in the NEC to different locations throughout the hmm. unit. The biggest problem we've seen in the International Association of Electrical Inspectors was every time the code would change and add new locations for requiring AFC, hmm. arc Fault Protection, hmm. the Department of Housing and Community Development Um, DHCD and the board of directors there, they would not adopt these particular locations in the IRC code. So, you have two Mm. different codes. You have the NEC saying Mm. you need to have these in different locations. And then the Virginia code in the residential would say, no, only bedrooms. So, from 1999 code cycle into the present, It is only required in bedrooms, in one- and two-family dwellings. Now, if you build your house or if you're building condominiums or apartments, then you fall under the NEC, the National (laughs) Electrical Code, and all these locations require to have arc fault protection. Wow. Well, that's the reason we have guys like you that understand all this. And can, it, and can help everybody figure it out. It's a lot to figure out. What we're trying to do is get the uh, board of housings to figure <laughs> out that go ahead and adopt the code right. as it is written in the NEC and uh, apply arc fault to all these. Locations. That would be
0: nice, would it? Get, just yeah, to get yeah, everybody yeah. on the same playing field. It, it kind
1: of makes it safer for us. Yeah, yeah.
0: We're talking about electrical plans and, and, and electrical plan review. Essentially, uh, what does that mean? You know, like when do I have to submit an electrical plan for review? I guess I'll start with that question.
1: Well, it's based on the local jurisdiction and it's based on the building official or their technical assistant, being right, right. myself and one of the other reviewers. Okay. Uh, if the work is deemed minor in installation, mm-hmm. then we probably wouldn't require a electrical plan, for say. Okay. If you were to extend an outlet or move an outlet from one location to another. I don't see the need for a plan for that. A permit is required and an inspection is required. Good point, good point. But you will not need a plan. Now, if you're adding a branch circuit to the panel, now you're adding load to the panel, this is when I would start wanting to have a plan uh, submitted showing me a panel schedule, a load calculation on that panel, the size of the overcurrent protection on that panel to know that we're not overloading the circuits, Mm -hmm. the feeder, or the panel board itself, or the overcurrent right. protection device. Okay.
0: Well, uh, low voltage equipment. Um, are we are we needing a okay. plan plan for a review for that?
1: Low voltage does not require a plan. Okay. Low voltage, as in defined by the NEC and by the Virginia Uniform Statewide Building Code, is 50 volts or less. Mm. With that, it is not required to have a permit with exceptions. <laughs> How about here, here that. We you go. like that here huh? we go. So if the low voltage is part of a fire alarm system, hmm. a fire detective system, okay. fire suppression system, you see where we're going with yeah, this. Yeah, make, makes S- sense. Life smoke, safety, life smoke safety, control, fire uh, elevator fire safety control, uh, access or egress controls. That would be your doors, your egresses, if they're automatically operated by a low voltage. And uh, smoke protection, construction. These would all require a permit and not necessarily a plan. The other caveat to low voltage requirements is if you have your communication uh, circuits, such as what you have in here, Mm -hmm. and you could run these without a permit, Unless you penetrated a fire-rated assembly or smoke uh, development-rated gotcha, assembly, gotcha, yeah. and a plenum, so we know that you're using the proper cabling in that plenum, so it yeah. doesn't desert, it doesn't move smoke right, throughout
0: the building. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, if we didn't know already about the, the importance of uh, reviewing these electrical plans, I think it's, it's abundantly clear already in our conversation why, why it's so important to, to look at all these things. When we're talking about uh, these plans, uh, there's something called sealed. Do these plans have to be sealed by a Virginia uh, registered professional engineer or,
1: or have a master electrician's license info? Um, Any plan that is submitted would have to be sealed by a designer. Sealed not necessarily being the professional seal, but possibly a master electrician. So the Virginia Uniform Statewide Building Code does offer up a chart for us. Mm. It's based on use group. So whatever the use group, the use of the structure is going to be, brief description of it, and height of the building, Mm. uh, occupancy of the building, how many Voltages to the building. How mm. much is the highest voltage coming right, to the right. building, and the ampacity? What's the largest ampacity in the building itself? Okay. So, let me bring up a couple that would automatically require seal no matter what. Okay, and that would be a school. Yeah. Okay. School daycare centers that requires it's an E use group. Factory, uh, factory, and in, in, in uh, any factory, industrial would require a seal. High hazard, obviously. High hazard yeah. is going yeah. to need a professional seal on yeah. it. And institutional, as in general, being uh, it could be prison, institutional. High hmm. uh, use group could be prison, but it's also your hospitals. Oh, okay. So those automatically are going to require gotcha. a seal. Gotcha, okay. The others are based on height. Three stories or less, a lot of the use groups would not require it. a business use group. Hmm. A assembly use group, a residential use group. Those would not require a seal from a professional engineer. Gotcha. You could have a master electrician design it, sign it with their uh, license <clears> number, <throat> but they have to also be the installer. So uh, a master electrician cannot design this plan and then give it to another electrician to gotcha, install it. He has gotcha. to be all part of it. Okay. So if it's over three stories, everything needs an engineer seal. Got gotcha. 100 occupant or less, most of them, less than 100 occupants, they can get away with the master electrician. Unless there's a lot of unlesses. <laughs> over Unless it's <three> store <laughs> Over 100 occupants, theater, that's a theater, just yeah, going to need yeah, a professional yeah. engineer, schools again, and so on. Now we get to the voltages. Over 600 volts, you typically do not have over 600 volts standard coming into commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. What you have is a 480 volt at the most. Uh, And it's usually stepped down to a 120 volt. So over 600 volts, all of them require an engineer seal. The ampacity is where it comes in. If your main service to the building exceeds 800 amp, Hmm. then all use groups require an engineer seal. There are several that do not require the engineer seal if it's 800 amps or less. And that would be, again, your dance hall, your restaurants, your churches, business use groups, um, mercantile, residential, storage, and so on. Yeah. And the master electrician can see it
0: And I know y- you listening right now can't see this chart, but I, I can see it over here that, that Dean's looking at. And uh, I'm glad we have guys like Dean that can read this and figure it out and explain it in a way that I can even understand it. Uh, when we're talking about these electrical plans, and as you're reviewing them, I'm sure you come across Code violations or violations that, that you know that are that are there are there frequent ones that you notice while reviewing these plans?
1: Um, well, how about we wait a couple months because of the new code cycle? <laughs> gotcha. And uh, if the designers <laughs> didn't do their due diligence and go to the code uh, code hearings or, right. or, or, and find out what the new codes are, there's probably going to be more. But yeah, um, you know, typically if I'm doing a condominium inspection. Let's put, first off, a one- and two-family dwelling does not require and does not, we do not give, we do not have a plan review for a one- and two-family dwelling. If you're building that house out there on five acres or whatever, we don't do an electrical plan review. That is just based on the uh, inspector in the field and based on their, um, mm-hmm. what they see out there. Gotcha. And they they know the codes <coughs> and they ad- ad- take care of them that way. Right. So multifamily dwelling, what we get a lot of times is the as a reviewer, there's a outlet spacing under 210.52, how many outlets, how far apart right, they have to right, be. Right. And uh, it's a scale drawing. So I use my little tape measure and I scale everything out and I make sure that they got them within reason. Uh, and then the inspector can check the rest of it. Gotcha. Um, GFI protection in commercial. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you got these break rooms. It's got the sink. And you got receptacles along uh, the countertop, and you got a refrigerator. Well, if that receptacle for the refrigerator is within six foot, I need thought. GFI protection. Yeah. Even though the refrigerator is blocking it, I still need to have that protection there. Uh, yeah. Um, Something maybe people didn't think about. So that's just kind of a a couple of them to go by. I mean, a lot of times uh, the bonding, supply side bonding jumper, which is probably difficult for some to understand, but that's on the secondary side of a transformer, Mm -hmm. which is going from 480 volt to a 277, from a 480 volt to a 208 volt uh, system. The supply side of that, which is the secondary side, that's considered a supply-side bonding jumper. And a lot of times the designer (laughs) will size it based on an equipment grounding conductor instead of a supply-side bonding jumper, which are based on two different things. One's based on the overcurrent protection, that's your equipment grounding conductor, and the other one, supply-side bonding, is based on the circular mills, which is the size of the wire on Mm -hmm. the secondary side. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: A lot of great information here with Dean Fortney on the uh, Code Talk podcast. We're talking electrical plan review. We've just got just a couple of more minutes left, Dean, but several more questions I want to try to get to. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to all of them, but if folks uh, need more, we'll give a telephone number shortly that uh, they can get more questions answered and that kind of thing. But we've talked about ground fault uh, several times during this, and then there's also arc fault circuit circuit. Difference, explanation, can you kind of hit that for me? Yes,
1: let's try to hit it uh, as simplified as possible. Please. Arc <laughs> fault is an issue where the wire or something penetrates the wire and causes it to arc. Mm. Arc is like a little spark. Sometimes when you turn on a switch, uh, a switch on your house, you might hear a click. Yeah, yeah. That's a little arcing in there. Mm-hmm. So what an arc fault would protect from would be if you were to drive a nail inside of your wall, to hang a picture and
0: mm-hmm. it just so
1: happens that nail hits that wire inside there mm. and it doesn't ha- it doesn't connect to the grounded conductor and the uh, and the ungrounded conductor so it doesn't short it out to where it trips the breaker but it causes an arcing and that arcing is what is heat and causes fires mm-hmm. now ground fault is kind of a little different ground fault there's a sensor Okay, And there's an ungrounded conductor, which is your hot conductor, and a neutral conductor. Mm-hmm. And there is electricity that flows through the hot conductor. All right. And it goes to the equipment, and then <clears throat> the electricity flows back. So the amount of electricity flowing out needs to equal the amount of electricity flowing back on the neutral wire or the ground fault would trip. So what that says is if I am grabbing a hold of the ground ungrounded conductor mm-hmm. instead of the flow of electricity going back through the sensor it goes through me in other words <laughs> it's trying to shock me right it senses that and trips it automatically mm-hmm. and it it activates on five milliamps that's one thousandths wow. of an amp wow. five milliamps plus or minus one mm-hmm. and then the time frequency is less than a right. second right so it trips instead of shocking you yeah Which is a good thing. So one's protecting from fire, kind of, and one's protecting from shock, kind of. Yeah, yeah.
0: And obviously, if you want more information about any of these topics or electrical plan review specifics and those kind of things, uh, 703-631-5101, that's the uh, Building Division of Land Development Services. We'll give you that number again uh, in just a moment. Um, Dean, last question. Um, When we're talking about electricity... And, and power and we're specifically talking about utilities um, the national electrical code jurisdiction
1: okay so <laughs> explain that a little bit the national electric code does not have any jurisdiction over utility okay so interesting now okay. we need to figure out where is the utility stop and where does the customer take over Wow and in most cases when you look at your regular residential house, you look at your meter base outside mm-hmm. and that is the demarcation part. Okay. That's where the power company comes to the meter, from the meter in it belongs to the customer. Gotcha. However, if you have an overhead service,
0: hmm.
1: okay, so that's a, a service lines that hit your service entry or your service lateral that comes up and hits your house and then comes down the wall. For Virgin, Virginia Dominion, their demarcation point is at the top. Hmm. where the line from the power pole comes to the house. Interesting. And the customer is responsible from the line down the wall to the meter huh. and into the house. Wow. Where Virginia Power, or um, yeah NOVAC, is the opposite. Wow. They take it all the way to the meter, period. Yeah. So they are responsible from the meter up. So it depends on who's responsible for what when it burns up or when it comes apart. Right. Wow. I'm glad. I I have no idea. And it does change. Um, So there are substations where the customer actually owns it. So the power company brings the line to the substation. And from that point on, it belongs to the customer. Wow. So it depends on where they want to market.
0: Who knew? Dean knew. <laughs> That's the reason we've got him. Dean Fortney with us, a commercial electrical plan reviewer and as you heard him talk about in the intro, he he teaches these this this stuff in classes and and really is a uh, electrical code uh, uh, expert and we're glad to have him working for Fairfax County. So Dean, thanks for being uh, on the Code Talk podcast with us today. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. find out more information, again, on land development services, you can visit fairfaxcounty.gov slash land development. And if you need to reach the building division, call 703-631-5101, or you can email them. That's Mail at fairfaxcounty.gov. Again, Mail at fairfaxcounty.gov. Thanks again for joining us on the Code Talk podcast, which is produced by the Fairfax County Virginia Government.